Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate yeah. to that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Getting an autism diagnosis for a child can be a confusing and emotional process. You need to get referrals, see occupational therapists, psychologists, have your child monitored. But did you know that until last week, there wasn't a national standard for diagnosing someone with autism? Andrew Whitehouse is the Chief Research Officer from the Cooperative Research Centre for Living with Autism, also known as Autism CRC. It's the world's first national research centre focused on autism. He joins us now on the line to take us through these new guidelines and what they mean for the autism community. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Siobhan. Why is a national guideline so important? Look, it's, it's, it's critical, and there are a number of reasons for this. In, in 2015, we did a survey, the Autism CRC did a survey of uh, health professionals from across Australia, and we were shocked at what we found. We found enormous variability in the way that we diagnose autism. Now, it's important to say that um, our definition of autism is quite standard. It's quite standard all the, re- all the way around the world. There's a, a diagnostic manual that lays out those behaviours um, that uh, contribute to a diagnosis. But the way that we observe those behaviours actually differs considerably across the states. And so the National Disability Insurance Agency, which uh, administers the NDIS, um, got together with the uh, Autism CRC um, to seek to remedy this, to start to develop a national guideline for how we diagnose autism. And that includes who's involved, um, what information is important to collect during this process, um, as well as other things such as where do you do this and then how does this information uh, contribute to helping the ongoing clinical management of that family. It's a really important um, uh, document that we hope now um, means that we are speaking a common language across Australia. It sounds like something that would be really helpful to parents as well because, I mean, just anecdotally, having friends whose, whose children have been through this process, it, it just seemed like nobody knew where to go or what to do or what the right path was. Um, I know this is for professionals, but is it something parents can access as well? Absolutely. It was written um, very much uh, with the mind that this is a, an important document to help uh, health professionals, but it is also a document that then provides families with transparency about the process they go through. Um, and at the, at, to, to date, we just didn't have that. And that's really not good enough because uh, not not only uh, if if you're a parent um, of a child uh, with autism, your your um, understanding that your child is developing differently to what is uh, uh, typically expected, um, you're then expected to navigate um, quite frankly what's a maze uh, out there. And so the guideline hopes to provide some clarity to that. Does it start even with the first step? Because if if someone suspects their child might um, be on the spectrum, and where where I wouldn't even know, do you first go to your GP? Do you try to see a paediatrician? Do the guidelines start from the very beginning that way? It sure does. It follows the whole process. So from um, the referral um, um, from a primary health care giver, and you're right, the first stage is, is always to your primary health care giver, and that's a, uh, a g- generally a general practitioner, but um, in different systems it might be a, a, a nurse, for example, um, and then uh, all the way through the process to the provision of a, an assessment report. And, of course, 
um, there's lots of things that happen in between, and the guideline outs, uh, um, uh, lists point by point those processes. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Andrew Whitehouse. He's a chief. He's a chief research officer at Autism CRC, and we're talking about the new guidelines for diagnosing um, a child who might be on the autism spectrum, and really pointing out the fact that this has not existed before and how important it is for both families and health professionals to have clarity around how the diagnosis happens. You hear a lot about how much difference it can make with a early diagnosis, but that can also be a challenge to get. How will the new guidelines impact those who who are on the spectrum actually getting an earlier diagnosis, whether that's at daycare, with friends, in the home? Yeah, it's a very good question. And and, and, um, the first step towards improving clinical services is defining what those clinical services are. Now, at an individual level across Australia, um, we certainly have um, clinicians who are doing their absolute best to work within a system um, that is challenging. And so defining that process from go to woe, we certainly hope that the goal of early diagnosis and then um, uh, hopefully uh, effective intervention will be realised. I mean, a really important point that we need to discuss when we talk about autism is that uh, it fits within several different systems. Um, one is disability, one is health, and the other is education. Now, um, one would think that all three areas um, would own it, but it, it tends to be the opposite, is that autism tends to fall between the cracks. And so speaking a common language across Australia, across different systems, both within state and at the federal level, is absolutely critical. So um, our hope is that by first defining these processes, we can then go on to those lofty goals of early intervention and diagnosis. What about those who have a child already diagnosed on the spectrum? Will they need to be reassessed according to these guidelines? No, absolutely not. No, if you have an existing diagnosis of autism, nothing changes. Um, This is a process... Uh, for current and future uh, clinical practice. Uh, Those who have an existing diagnosis, uh, nothing's going to change. You still have a diagnosis of autism. And do you have a sense of what kind of impact the guidelines might have on the autism spectrum disorder community? Um, Look, the the, the whole way along, we were extremely uh, happy that we collaborated very closely uh, with the autism community. So just, just to give you an idea, we had the steering committee all the way along where we had representatives from the autism uh, and autistic communities uh, that sat on that. And we certainly uh, consulted with over 100 adults on the spectrum and family members um, face-to-face um, um, via teleconference uh, through different ways. So the whole uh, process was a developed hand-in-glove with the autism community. And really the whole project was inspired by the autism community uh, they've been saying for years that um, it's been it's a challenge uh, as soon as you uh, understand that things are developing a bit differently where do you go what do you do so we were inspired by the community and then uh, we were hand in glove with the community all the way through the process well it's very exciting to see that this has happened andrew thank you so much for your time today thanks siobhan
That was Andrew Whitehouse. He's a Chief Research Officer with Autism CRC. And to access information on the new national guidelines for autism diagnosis, head to our website where we'll pop up the links. That's kindling.com.au and click on Kindling Conversation. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.